Welcome to Rise Above Your Mind, a podcast dedicated to education, advocacy, and support for topics related to mental health and all challenges and obstacles that are found in the world today. Welcome back to Rise Above Your Mind. Today, I am joined by Clara Volpisi. If you want to just introduce yourself real quick. Hi, my name is Clara Volpisi. I play water polo at University of the Pacific. I am a campus captain with the hidden opponent, and I recently got selected to the Canadian national team for the Tokyo Olympics. Welcome, Clara. It is so good to have you here today. Super excited to have some good conversations about some important topics related to mental health and how COVID-19 affected athletics over the last year and a half since the outbreak first began. So first, we're just going to talk a little bit about your experience with COVID-19, how that affected your athletic career in college and then leading up to the Olympics this year and kind of just what your experience has been and how it has changed your perspective on athletics and mental health. So take us away. Uh, Thanks for having me, first of all. I really appreciate this. I've listened to the podcast since it first got released. I'm super pumped about being here. COVID, I feel like it's redundant to say that it really affected me because I think it really affected everybody. It's been a life-changing experience in not all of the best ways, obviously, but When the pandemic hit in March, I was actually on a break from water polo. I took the, I took last year off 2019, 2020 to train for the Olympics. And we had a break for a couple of days and some of my teammates and I decided to fly to Hawaii. So we got to Hawaii. We got off the plane. It was a nine hour flight from Chicago. And I remember turning my phone on and I had like literally 60 texts from like 15 different people being like, you need to come home. 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 And I was like, Oh my God, like disaster has struck. Like what is happening? You know? And I was like really freaking out. And all of a sudden they're like, there's a, like, there's a virus. Like you need to come home. Like it's really, really bad. So we were literally there for three days before we managed to like change our flight, figure things out, go back home. I was in quarantine for two weeks. And during that quarantine, we found out that the Olympics got postponed. So that was really, really hard because obviously like as an aspiring Olympian, you take time off, you dedicate yourself to your sport and it's kind of hard to, you're put at a standstill where it's like, okay, so what, what happens now? Like they're next year, but what happens to us? Like, do we stay training together? Do we go our own ways? Like, what's the program going to do? And we talked about it with our coaches and there was a few of us that had the opportunity to obviously go back to the NCAA. So my situation was a little bit different because I had a lot of years left in school. A lot of the other girls have one year left. So I was like, what do I do? How do I move forward with this? Like, what is the best decision for me? And I remember, I remember before having to make that decision, I was in a really, I was in a really good place mentally. Like I was like, this is really hard, but maybe this is a good time for me to like get close to my family, you know, like do things and spend time focusing on myself in a non-athletic perspective, because I don't have to be in that concentrated environment every single day. But after that, like making that decision, I remember like I did not sleep for like almost a month. It was like really, really stressful. And 
I remember just being back and forth, like, do I take another year? Will I be able to keep my scholarship? Like what is going to happen? What direction am I going to go in? Is this going to be the right like decision for me? Like, how do I know? How do I make a decision and go into it and be like, I will have no regrets about this. And it was really scary because it was like, I didn't know if I could go back to school the following year and keep my scholarship. It was kind of like that, like gap. So I talked to both of my coaches, like the national team coach and my coach at school. And I decided to take the fall at home and be in school while training with the national team. And then our season is in the spring. So I was like, we'll reevaluate when we get there and see where it goes. And obviously like the spring came and our season happened, but it was like, it was not a season. It was, it was really, really hard. I I'm close to a, a, a few girls on the team, you know, like they're my freshman, the girls I started with freshman year are there right now. And it was really hard. And I made the decision for myself before the spring semester kind of started to, to stay home because I thought that would be the best decision for me. And honestly, looking back on it, there's a lot of times where I was like, I don't know if I did the right choice. I don't know if I made the right decision. And it was just really hard because it's hours and hours and hours of training. And even though like, yes, the games had gone postponed, you're like, one, are they really postponed? Like, are they going to get canceled? Two, am I going to make this team? If I don't make it, like, how is that going to affect me mentally? Like, will I be able to handle that? And like, obviously, like you tell yourself, I will be okay. I have a support system. I have resources. I'm going to surround myself with everything I need to be okay. But you don't, that's not a guarantee. So COVID was hard in that aspect, but also like, I had a training camp in December and it was like during finals and we had training camp like in a bubble. So we were still like where I live in Montreal. So we were training there, but we were in a bubble just with our teammates in the house. And eventually after finals, my mom kept texting me like being like, Oh, tell me when you're done with finals. And me and my mom were super close. I was like, I didn't really make anything of it. And then she was like, Oh, did you submit your last final? And I was like, yeah, last night, blah, 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 blah. She's like, okay, can you give me a call when you can? And I was like, Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I was like, I haven't talked to her really FaceTime her in a while. So I'll, I'll call her. So I call her and she's like, so how are you doing? And I'm like, good. And she's like, so I don't know really how to say this, but everyone in this house has COVID. So, oh no. My, yeah. So my sister, my mom, my mom's boyfriend, all three of them had COVID two weeks before Christmas. So I'm like sitting there and I literally, I remember having woken up from a nap because I was so exhausted from finals and we had practice that morning. I literally woke up, had this phone call and I was like bawling and I like, I'm like crying, crying, crying. And like, I'm in a room upstairs where we're staying and like my teammate hears me sobbing obviously through the walls and when it comes in and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like crying, you know, and, and like as a family, like we, we have taken it so seriously. Yes. For our safety, but also like, I think everyone in my house knew how important this year was for me and how I could not get sick. So it was hard. It was hard. I spent Christmas alone in my friend's apartment. Like I had a lot of people that were there and they're like, if you want to spend time, like come through Christmas dinner and everything. But it just felt, Oh, I don't want to say wrong, but it, it did feel wrong. You know, I feel like Christmas is something you do with your family. So I just like spent Christmas on zoom with my family and we cooked the same meal and it still felt like, homie, you know, even though like I couldn't hug them and I couldn't be with them and that obviously kind of sucked, but that was tough. That was tough. And I think like in the midst of that, I was like, do I go back to school? Do I stay? Do I go back to school? And like, it was just, everything felt really piled up. And I think like 
at that point, I don't think like I really admitted to anyone, not even myself for a little while, but I was like, I am hitting a big low. Like I, I felt really, really like, I felt really alone, even though I was surrounded by people that I knew cared and I knew could reach out, I could reach out to. But in that moment, I was like, I just feel like I need to deal with this by myself. So I took those two weeks. I remember, like, I think I watched like a full season of whatever I was watching at the time, like in one day, <laughs> I literally sat in front of the TV and I was like, all right, next episode, next episode. Some, next sometimes episode. we, sometimes we just need that though. You know, sometimes you're yeah, just like, no. I am going to take today and I'm just going to watch <laughs> I mean, like yeah. a couple a couple of weeks ago, I did that where I watched um, over like three days, maybe it was even two days. I watched like all the Harry Potter movies and then like all uh, the Star Wars yeah. movies, and I was just yeah. like, "No, you know yeah. what? It's self care. It's self care in the simplest way." And like the you know, people are like, "You can't spend all day watching TV," and I'm like, "Yeah, I can't watch me. Some, I will do it." I can't remember who said this to me one time, but they were like, "Sometimes the best way to do something is to just do nothing." Like sometimes I the best way to take care of yourself is yeah. to just take a break from everything and be like, okay, yeah. the world around me is crashing down. Like I have, to, like, that's the thing about COVID is it really made so many people have to make like life-changing decisions Yeah, with no yeah. understanding of what could actually happen. Like yeah. obviously there was numerous things that COVID caused that yeah. were terrible. Like every, everybody knows that it, it caused a lot of problems all over. But I feel like for a lot of people, like they were forced, like you said, like you were forced into making decisions and you were like, I don't know what the best decision is. And I could make this decision. And then three days later, it could go terribly. And then I would be on plan B and I'd have to make a different decision. It's just like, yeah, I think that was, that was one of the craziest things was just trying to figure out how to figure out where to go next. Like, yeah, what to do. What, like what even, and, and nobody knew, you know, like you said, yeah. like even at Christmas time, like last year, vaccines still weren't like out. Yeah. They weren't a thing that hadn't been approved exactly. for emergency exactly. use. And so it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't like, oh, well I can, you know, get vaccinated and then go home and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I, I, yeah. I'm just stuck here. Yeah. So I couldn't like, even, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And my, like my, especially like exactly vaccines were unavailable and then there's so many articles especially about the olympics coming out and it's all about like oh like will the olympics happen and like all my friends are like sending these to me and being like did you see this did you see this and i'm like no and i don't want to see it i'm like you're like you're like stop sending these to me please (laughs) i'm like oh my god i'm like guys come on man like i do not need this you know like but at the same time like it did keep me in check in the sense that like I was very realistic I was like I'm doing this I am full speed ahead I am training I want to make this roster and at the end of the day if like this is something I cannot control and if the event does not happen then it is what it is you know and like it's it's really scary because obviously like that was always in the back of my mind and that's what the scariest athletes it's things you can't control happening I feel like we can control the way we perform. We can control the way we prepare. We can't control injuries or events like COVID that completely derailed our athletic careers. Like, you know, so those things are situations we're put in where we're just like, where do I go now? What do I do? And I think that's how the athletic world was really rocked because all of us, like whether it's NCAA, whether it's club, whether it's professional athletes, we were put at a standstill where it was like, all right, so I guess I'm just going to work out in my garage now. Like, 
that's what my athletic life is like. And I'm that like, was literally me last yeah. year during quarantine. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I had to put together like my own little mini gym yeah. and like, I like purchased like a jump rope and like medicine ball and stuff like that. Exactly. And I was literally just working out. I clean, I like deep clean my mom's garage the first yeah. week of quarantine and like piled everything up so I could make yeah. a space for myself. So I could exactly. like go out in the morning and work out. And it was just like, it was so, it was so painful. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> What's even going to happen? Then we ended up not even having, you know, a fall season. It got pushed to the spring. Spring. Yeah. 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 I, I couldn't even imagine like for me with COVID-19, it, it wasn't like in terms of athletics, it wasn't the Mm -hmm. end of the world because for men's soccer, for NCAA, our season's in the fall. So we had already completed our full season in 2019 and then spring of 2020 when COVID hit, we just have a spring season, which consists of like, I think like 45 practices. And then we have mm. like three to five competitions, which are really just like scrimmages against like schools that are close to yeah, us. Yeah. And so it wasn't like the end of the world in terms mm-hmm. of that. I felt bad because, so I'm, I'm the SAC president at CO for student athlete advisory mm-hmm. committee. So I was in contact with like our athletic director. I was in contact with like, teams captains from every single sport and so like the baseball team the softball team the track team all of these spring sports that all of a sudden didn't get a season at all and like our baseball team was ranked like top five in the country like they they were projected to go like deep into the the d3 college world series and all of a sudden all of our seniors are just like yep your career's done and yeah just like the amount of like talking to those people and like trying to work out with the athletic director, like what was going on. Cause I was in constant communication with him and he was kind of just like, we don't know. Like he's like, the NCAA doesn't know what to do. Like normally the NCAA doesn't always make the right decision. We we're all aware of this, but <laughs> yeah. normally they make a decision. Like they, yeah. they're like, you know what, we're going to do that. It was to the point where they were like, we don't know. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like I was in contact with him and I was in contact with people at the NCAA and they were just like, we don't know what we're going to do. We just got to kind of wait this out and see oh, what happens and then make a decision. And so it just kind of got to the point, you know, eventually they decided to grant waivers to people for mm-hmm. that year. And then this last year, so they could continue playing. And that was, that was the right decision, but it was yeah. just such a weird time because there's these other sports and like people that I'm close with that are like my entire, like my, my career just ended. Yeah. Like at the time I didn't know her, but yeah. as this past August, I got to, to know Mary Pat Murray, who is another campus captain. And then now is a part of the leadership team for the hidden opponent. And she was a senior for, she was a softball player and was like on par to be an all American. Like she had worked her whole life, like, fantastic pitcher, fantastic softball player. And all of a sudden she was like, my career's done because she was graduating. It's not like she could just take that extra year. Like she needed to graduate because she was already had plans for grad school the next year. And she was going to be like a softball coach, uh, like a student, you know, assistant. And so she was like, like all of a sudden her season ended and she, she wrote a story about it that has been posted on the hidden opponent. And she's talking about it it. on other stuff. And it's just like, it's just heart wrenching. Like yeah. knowing that like people's careers and like, I've been playing soccer since I was two years old. Yeah. Like that is, that is pretty much my entire life. Like the last 18 yeah. years of my life, I have been playing soccer 
and it it means so much to me like one when, when i'm done playing like my plan is to teach and to coach because i'm like i can't i just can't step away from the game like it means so much to me and it's always been like so helpful for me as like coping like all of that and i'm just like i couldn't even imagine like if i had been a senior like i was only a sophomore so i was like i know that i still have at least one two more years left but it's just heart-wrenching to see the amount of people that their careers just ended i think it's difficult because like I think it's different to end a career on your own terms than have that career end imposed on you, you know, like ending a career on your own terms. You're like, all right, it's come to a point where I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. Maybe I'll coach exactly like you said, or like maybe I'll ref or something, but to have someone say, Nope, you're done right now. And you're going to have to move on. And it's like, how do you cope with that? Like I, I have friends who had to do that. Like I had a friend who is on the Olympic team for Canada with me. We played at school together my freshman year. She was a senior and her plan, she had retroded one of her previous years because of an injury and she still had a year of eligibility left. So she was like, all right, I graduated, but I want to do my master's. I'll come back the year after the Olympics. I'll finish out my NCAA career. Like that's my plan. And then when the Olympics got postponed and everything like unraveled, she was like, do I do this? Is this the right choice for me? And like, she decided not to do that. And she's going to play pro next year. And you know, like life does bring other opportunities, but it's really hard to deal with changes that aren't in your control. You know, I feel like we, especially as a team this year, we've talked a lot about like control what you can control and let go of the uncontrollables. And it's way easier said than done. And we have become so aware of this. It's like, even with COVID or the way we train or our travel plans. And like, you know, a lot of people use the word like resilient for athletes, like athletes are so resilient. And this year I've really come to realize, no, athletes are adaptable. We are so adaptable. You throw anything at us and we'll be like, all right, bring it on. And I think this year has really made that adaptability shine. And it's no, really, absolutely. really incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you were saying, 100% going out on your own terms is so important, especially for athletes. Because I know for me personally, I've had points in, in my career where I've been like, I don't know if I can keep playing. You know, my freshman year at Co, I came in, was really ready to compete mm-hmm. for a spot. And before I had even kicked a ball for the program, I tore my meniscus and needed knee surgery. And it was just so difficult because I had literally had surgery to remove my appendix about four months before that surgery. Oh my goodness. That actually ended my senior year of high school. So I didn't get to play my senior year of high school for soccer because, and like you said, control you can control. I couldn't control that my appendix decided to burst, you know, three <laughs> yeah, weeks into my sure. senior season of high school soccer. That's mm-hmm. that that was out of my control. And it wasn't like obviously a surgery that was like, oh, you need two, three months recovery. But physically it took like two weeks to recover. But at that point, I was just so like I had to be careful about it because I just had surgery. Like your body is like has to kind of readapt to its new situation. And physically I just wasn't in shape. I just couldn't get back to that point. And so, you know, I worked so hard over that summer going into my freshman year and then boom, 
tore my meniscus surgery. It's like a two month recovery process. And it was to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, but that was like me deciding that would have been me saying, I need to step away from the game for my own mental health, my own physical health. But if I had been like, Oh, I don't know if I should keep playing. And then COVID hit and I didn't get to play in my head. I'm like, I didn't get to go out on my own terms. I didn't get to go out the way that I wanted to. And I think honestly, I'm beyond thankful that I have the opportunity to do that this fall where I'm like, yeah, it's my last soccer season as a player that I'm ever going to have. And then I'll student teach in the spring because I'm not even going to get the spring season because I'm going to be student teaching, honestly. So I'm like, I'm done after this fall, really. Yeah. And so I've kind of come to accept that. But that's, you know, once again, being able to go out, I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. I know there was people on the softball team at Co that were seniors that they go down to Florida and play their preseason tournament every single year, the softball team. And they had made it to Florida. Like the team had traveled down to Florida. They were, it was the day before their first game of the season when COVID, like when it really like hit, you know, when it was like, Oh, we have to shut stuff down. Like there have been like two, three weeks of like, Oh, this is kind of a thing that's happening, but we don't know what's going to, if it's really that serious. And they literally made it to Florida. We're there for like two days were training for their game and then they were forced to come home and everybody got sent home from school. And it's just like, it's just like that snap decision where like all of a sudden it's just changed everything. And yeah, it's just, it's just so unfortunate to see. And the mental toll that that took on so many people yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, you kind of got to a point where like you're really struggling with yeah that what was, what was kind of your first like initial reaction when COVID hit? Like what was, what were the emotions going through your head? If you could just maybe dive a little bit deeper into that, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, obviously, (laughs) but the emotions uh, around that. And then also, you know, the emotions of not being able to go back to school, deciding to stay home to train for the Olympics and kind of just like the emotional, what the process was and how that took a toll on your mental health. I have worked really hard at like putting the like mental health experience and journey I've had in the past year into words because it's re and I'm sure you understand. It's difficult. Oh, absolutely. It's so difficult. It's really difficult. And it's just like, come to a point where I'm like without words because the first time I realized I was struggling with mental health, I was 17 years old. I was scared to admit that I was struggling. And I remember just being like, I am not okay. And struggling at admitting that because I was like, who do I turn to? Who do I turn to? Who can I go to? Is this even real? You know, like, and it's still so stigmatized, but when I first started feeling this way, it was even more stigmatized because we're diving into the past year. And it's just like, now I remember being in that like process of I'm flying home from Hawaii and I'm just like, ha ha ha, this is not happening, you know? And I get home and we're quarantining and I'm still like, oh, it's fine. Just a little two weeks. It's a little flu, you know, like what is this going to do to the world? And I remember, everybody was like, like, oh, an extra week of spring break. Wonderful. Exactly. And that oh, <laughs> you never go back. I to remember school. that. I remember that. Now we're like thinking about it and we're like, what a f- 
freaking joke. Like, oh, we get we get two we get an extra week of spring break. We get two weeks now, and then the schools are just like, "Yep, you're going home for the summer." And everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. no, but one hundred percent, you know." And like, it's hard because the way we train, like with the national team, is. We have doubles every day, except Wednesdays and Saturdays, and we have Sundays off. So Wednesday and Saturdays, we have one practice. And then weights are either added on to that or they're one practice. So it kind of like varies week by week. But at the end of the day, like with practices, meetings, like there are weeks where we get up to like almost 30 to 35 hours, like at the pool, in the gym or in a meeting room, like doing video and stuff. So you know, I went from that to like sitting on my couch 10 hours a day and it's like, all right, what do I do with myself? And when I, when it hit and when I was like, I cannot lose myself again. And it's something that had happened to me a few years before where I was at such a low, like just low in a low headspace. And that's like, when I like first realized I was like super anxious and like, pretty depressed, you know? And it's just like, I was like that. I know what my triggers are because I have been to therapy enough to know and identify those and figure out a way to cope with those. And yes, water polo has been a huge part of my life and coping with it. But now that it's gone, who am I and what do I need? And luckily I think like I was surrounded by the right people to be like, I am more than this sport. And I think that's a realization that like so many athletes came to this year. It's I love my sport. It is everything to me, but me as an everything is not just my sport. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. That's a big thing that the hidden opponent has worked on this last year with people is realizing just how much you can do outside of your sport. For me, I came to the realization. I was like, on top of being, you know, a soccer player, I'm the student athlete advisory committee president. This past February, I got nominated to be a member of national SAC. So I get to represent our athletic conference at the NCAA level. I'm on, I'm part of three other organizations on campus at co I'm part of THO. I'm an intern for them. So I've been doing a lot for them since January. I'm a part of two other local mental health organizations I started this organization. I started the podcast. It, it made me realize just how big of an impact I can have when I'm not on the field. And I think that was something that became a real for so many athletes. It, and I think the process of realizing that was ridiculously hard. Like the, when I was in that middle stage where I was like, with that, what am I without soccer? You know, what am I going to do now that I don't have a season this spring now that I don't have a season in the fall? Once I hit that point, it helped, but getting to that point was a struggle. So I think, and that, that's, it's that way with a lot of things where the process is difficult, but once you hit the end, you know, you, you're like, Oh, that was worth it. I realized. And like, we did a big social media campaign for THO earlier last year where it was uh, more than just an athlete. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah. it was like, I am a teacher. I am a friend. I'm a brother. I'm yeah. you know, all of these other things. Exactly. And it just helps people realize. And, and it, it goes beyond athletics. Like yeah. everybody has so much more to them than what they think they have. I agree. And, yeah. and I think that's such yeah. an important thing, especially with mental health to understand. Yeah. 
but especially when COVID hit, it was kind of, Oh, I can actually make a difference when I'm not on the soccer field, when I'm not, you know, in the pool, stuff like that. Exactly. Well, to me, it was like, I used to be super involved in high school, like super involved. I'm a very social person. I love, you know, (laughs) and then I like, I hit my biggest low in my life, right? Like before I went to college and throughout my freshman year, I was not okay. Like I was really, really struggling. Um, I like, I had an eating disorder. It was just really, really hard. And I remember being like, not, not blaming it. I was projecting it on like, it's a new year. It's a new place. I'm not used to it. It's a new environment. Everything's going to like slowly just fix itself. But I was like, it's not going to fix itself. Like I need, I need to find solutions that will help me get out of whatever I'm feeling. Like, this is something I have to live with, but let's try and make it better. Like it can't just make me like feel stagnant, you know? So when I came home and decided to stay home for, to train for the Olympics, I was like, this is the year that I work on myself. And then when March hit and I was like, Oh my God. Like I really, really? have this the is, time. To this work is the year that I chose to work on myself. Really? And that <laughs> was, was the like, decision I made. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's reflect on your past decisions, Clara. No, but seriously, like it came to a point where like I had that. And then I was like, all right. And I did this exact same thing. I wanted to be a part of SAC at school. So I did that this year. I joined THO because I wanted to do that. I applied for an internship in marketing that I knew nothing about. Like my major is political science. Like I knew nothing about marketing. I applied to have an internship with a startup. It is something I love to do. I'm still involved. Like it's all these things. And like, now I'm going into, I went into this year feeling so much more confident in who I was, you know? And that's because I think I took the time to say, my mental health is not okay. And that in itself is okay. I know that I acknowledge it. And now what are my resources? And I called my therapist. I talked to my mom. I talked to my friends. I found things that brought me joy. You know, like I found a new way to do physical activity. I took up running. Like I hate running. Or should I say I hated running? But now it's like, I love running, like make me run, please. You know, and it sucks because I'm in the pool. So I don't really get to do that a lot, but it's finding the smallest things. And I think it's really, it's really an art. And it's something that as athletes, we're always, we're always shown to look for the big things, the rings, the titles, the awards. And I'm like, no, man, just focus on the little things, focus on one practice at a time, focus on one play at a time. Like, and that's a way to see your own life out of athletics. Like focus on one thing you want to do. If that's one thing you do today, that's okay. Just do that one thing, but do it because you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't, that's also okay. But like, let's figure out a plan for tomorrow. And I think the day by day, like taking it slowly, just focusing on the little things is what got me through those months out of the pool and feeling like I was stagnant because I didn't feel like that anymore. By the end of it, I really actually found like I was doing something and I was moving forward and yeah. No, absolutely. And I felt the same way in terms of taking things step by step when it came to 
getting through being stuck at home for seven months due to COVID because I, all of a sudden it went from, I had plans to, so summer of 2020, I had plans to go to the University of Washington and at the University of Salisbury to do summer research related to math education. And I hadn't even made the decision about which one I was going to do and COVID hit and everything got shut down. And so I went from my plans were, I'm going to get out of Iowa. I'm going to be on either the East coast or the West coast. I was either going to Washington or New York. I'm going to be away from, you know, family. I'm going to be, it's going to be kind of this time for me to really focus on myself, enjoy new experiences, do research in something that I love and enjoy. And all of a sudden I was stuck living in my mom's basement for six months, sharing a room with my older sister. All right. And (laughs) having nothing to do, no job, no research, nothing. And yeah. I, I quickly learned that I had to take things step by step because if I was like, oh, my goals for the summer are going to be this, 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 and this, and I'm going to do that throughout the summer, wasn't going to get done, not even close because I just got into the habit of laying on the couch for 10 hours a day, like you said earlier. <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. instead I would wake up and I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to read 50 pages in this book. Today, I am going to work out for an hour. Today, I'm going to make two meals for myself that are healthy. Stuff like that, where I was just like, I can't just keep sitting there all day, not working out, eating junk food, doing nothing productive. And breaking things up into little steps is something that COVID taught me how to really bring into my life. And I've definitely kept with me over the last year and a half that has definitely helped me in a lot of other aspects. So yeah, yeah, it's, and it's very important. I still haven't quite mastered it when it comes to athletic. I still, you know, look for for the big, the big moments and stuff like that. But that's something that, you know, everybody gets to keep working on. So no, for sure. For sure. I think like what's helped me in athletics and I don't know, I'm putting this out there. Maybe it'll help you. But I just like, um, we were put in a very intense selection process where we didn't really like, we didn't, it was an intense selection process and like it was talked about all the time, but we just like, it was a buildup where we knew it was coming. And it's always really hard because you become, especially during a time like this, like you become close with everyone on your team. You want everyone to go to the Olympics. You want this experience to be able to bring every, and as much as like everyone is a part of the experience, not everyone is able to live it with you day by day in the village at the games. So I think what made me realize that it was day by day, practice by practice, shot by shot was what if this is the last time that I get to put on my suit and play for the national team? And we had a tournament in June and I remember like I've had so many discussions with like our sports psych and everything. And I am at my best when I have fun. Like I just, when I enjoy myself and like, I'm obviously always going to be stressed. It's really hard not to be stressed as an athlete, but (laughs) just like, Like, exactly, exactly. But like good nerves, nerves that like push you to just have fun and be present with your teammates. And I remember playing the last game I played at that tournament and 
we, I was doing my warm up and she came to talk to me and she was like, so what are you going to do today? And I was like, I'm going to have fun because if this is the last time that I get to represent my country this summer and play with these girls, then I want it to be worth it, you know? And that's Absolutely. like, that's something that I did every single day this year because after, especially after COVID, like I did it before, but I think the importance of it this year, just like amped up drastically because I was like, you literally never know because who would have thought that we would be sitting here on zoom talking when like a pandemic is hitting us, you know, like who would have thought that we would live through this? So yeah, just like, what if this is the last time and not in a morbid way, not in a like pessimistic no, way, absolutely. but just in a, this is real life and you never know what can happen. So just really, really embrace everything you have and really push yourself, you know? No, absolutely. I think taking things for granted was one of the biggest perspective changers that I took from COVID is all of a sudden I was like, I can't take anything for granted anymore. I can't take practices, film sessions, scout games, any of it, because in an instant it can be taken away. And that goes for everything in life, you know, don't, Oh, I don't even remember the last time I went into a store without a mask on my face. Don't take that for granted. So yeah, it's social interaction as you can obviously relate to this as a social butterfly, somebody that loves interacting (laughs) with people, talking to people, meeting new people. COVID was so hard because I went from constantly talking to people, hanging out with people, meeting new friends, stuff like that at Co to being stuck at home for six months, living in my mom's basement with my four siblings. So it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. And it definitely taught me not to take things for granted. So as we round things down here, I am going to pull a 180 on you from my question earlier and ask you about the emotions that you felt just a couple weeks ago when you found out that you had made the Olympic roster, because like you mentioned, you took two years off. You spent countless hours dedicating yourself to this team, working through the mistrials of COVID, getting the Olympics pushed back. What was going through your head when Team Canada released that list and your name was on it? Oh my God. (laughs) I'm crying. We found out a couple of days before, um, that list went public, obviously, like hopefully no one ever finds out on social media if they made a roster, but we found out a couple of days before that. And I just like cried so much that day. Like the first half of the day was literally just anxious, crying constantly. And my roommate was like one of my closest friends on the team. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know this is a lot. And I remember like just talking to her like this and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Just feel what you need to feel. Like, tell me what you need from me and I'll be there. And I was like, (laughs) okay, you know, and we got asked into like individual meetings and I remember like getting the text to like go downstairs. And I was like, literally my entire body just got anxious and I immediately burst into tears again. And she was like, Clara, you can't walk down there crying. And I was just like, I'm going to do it because it's who I am. I'm human. We're just going to have to do it, you know? And finding out was definitely like, I have never felt freer. And I used this term the other day when I was 
talking to someone, I was like, you know, I, I just feel so free. And it's just because as much as I don't think I realized I was literally playing anxious for the past, like two months since we've been gone from home. Like I knew we were in selection mode. I knew what was coming as much as like I coped with it decently well, it's always just like anxiety ridden performance because it's just like constantly in the back of your mind. Like, was that good enough? Was that not good enough? And I like something that I've learned this summer is don't be harsh on yourself. Be hard on yourself. Like be realistic about where you're, how you're talking to yourself about how you're like expecting yourself to be and to perform. And, um, that moment where literally I just heard the word, like, you did it. Like you're, you're on this team. It was just like my entire body just completely released. And I had not realized how tense I was like everything just went, you did it. You did it. And I think I said that to myself at least 40 times that day. And it still hasn't sunk in because I don't think it's something that exactly I'm struggling to put into words that I'm 100% sure you can tell because I'm just like, I don't even know how to express it. It's just like grateful that I'm here, you know, grateful that I'm here, grateful that I pushed myself, grateful that I was surrounded by the people that supported me and that made me grow into the person and the athlete that I am and that were there through it. Thick and thin, you know, like I remember I talk about this with my mom a lot. I went to this, like, uh, I won this bursary, like at the beginning when I started playing water polo and, um, they had a speaker and she was a hockey player on the Canadian women's team, Kellen Wittick. And she was talking and she said, you know, a lot of people talk to me and they talk about sacrifices. Like we have done so many sacrifices to get here and we haven't the athletes. We haven't, we've made choices to be here. I chose to play the sport. I chose to show up to practice, but the sacrifices come from our parents. The sacrifices come from our family, our friends that see us push through this and are there doing what they need to do to make sure that we do what we need to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even want to know how much money my parents (laughs) spent on club soccer, going to tournaments, hotels, and like, Keep in mind, I have four siblings and my older sister yeah. played soccer. My younger sister oh played my soccer. God. They both played volleyball. I've also played basketball and baseball. My younger brothers played soccer. They play tennis now. Like we've, we're all, we've all been athletes at some point. I don't even want to know how much money has yeah. been spent on yeah. gas and hotels and tournaments over the last 18 years. It's Seriously. yeah, the sacrifices yeah. that you know, my family has made that my friends and stuff like that. I mean, it just, it's just another thing to realize how, how blessed and fortunate and just to be thankful for, honestly, at the end of the day, but obviously huge congratulations to you for making the team. I am so so excited (laughs) to to watch team Canada, hopefully, um, get silver. I say silver because obviously team USA, it's for fine. the win. I sorry, not sorry. I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a silver place finish. No, no disrespect. Oh, okay. Unless USA yeah. loses, then, then I guess you can get gold. Oh, okay. But, good. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. you're on our side. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, 
First of all, I just want to say a big thank you to Clara for joining us today, taking time out of her busy schedule. She's actually joining us from Hungary right now. So <laughs> got a nice little time zone difference, but we made it work. So thank you so much. It's been incredible talking to you. And yeah, if you got any final words, any last advice, take us away. Uh, just wanted to say thank you for having me again. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great. And if there's one thing I think I've mentioned a couple of times, but really just like enjoy everything, enjoy everything through every single journey you have and take it step by step because you never know the things that you're going to end up loving and the things you're going to end up cherishing. So just enjoy the process. And I know that's cheesy, but it's really, really something that has like shown through for me this year. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's a great way to end things. <laughs> Hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, it's always a good day to have a great day. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.